1: And thanks for joining us today on The Health Hub. I am Kathy Biasse, your host, along with our producer and everyone else here at Radio Maria Canada. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. We have a great, great show lined up for you. Another fabulous guest, Reese Peluso. And we are talking about Breath work, our connection uh, to our breath, health, so many different things. It's a show you really, really want to um, stay tuned for because it's just so relevant for all of us. Uh, But before that, before we get into our show, let's get uh, some housekeeping out of the way here. Um, We would love for you to follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on those locations. And our email address is thh at radiomaria.ca. So feel free to email us if you have um, questions, concerns, uh, show guest ideas, anything. Uh, We answer our emails uh, quickly. So that is a a great way to get in contact with us. And we would love for you to subscribe to our podcast. We are the health hubs, the health hub on uh, most of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca and on my website, which is kathybsa.com. From summiting mountains in sub-zero temperatures, wearing only shorts, to better handling the daily stress of being a father and being a serial entrepreneur, breathwork has been the catalyst for Reese to find his inner strength and home in on his passions. By sharing progressive yet simple practices, To help upgrade one's life, Reese is focused on bringing a multidisciplinary approach to breathing. Reese's breathwork platform, Our Breath Collective, is a first of its kind, offering daily breathing practices, workshops, trainings, retreats, and more to its global community. OBC explores breathing practices from a multidisciplinary, human-centric, and principle-based nervous system approach to empower you in building a skillful, adaptive, and intuitive breath toolkit to unlock true potential and to inspire the extraordinary in your life. We talk a lot about uh, breath work, obviously, in this show, but we talk a lot about many different aspects of it. We talk about the science of breathing, diaphragmatic health, uh, the important role that carbon dioxide uh, plays in our body, the benefits of holding your breath, Just a lot, a lot, a lot covered in this uh, podcast. So please do stay tuned. We will be back in just a few minutes to talk with Reese Peluso about breathwork.
2: Alarm clock screaming. a little harder trying to get the upper hand so much do in so little time it's a crazy life it's ready set go it's another wild day when the stress is on the rise in my heart I feel you sing. just breathe just breathe come and rest at my feet and Just be Chaos calls But all you really need Is to just breathe
0: You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi.
1: Welcome, everybody. Welcome back, everybody. As mentioned, today's show has been recorded, so no opportunity for calling in. But please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And we are at The Health Hub, RMC on all locations. And welcome to the show, Reese. So happy to have you.
3: Thank you so much for having me, Kathy. Excited to be here and share about something I'm very passionate about.
1: (laughs) Well, it's um, as with a lot of things once for me anyways, once I I kind of get a grip into something and I start looking at it more and more, especially when it comes to this area of breathwork, the benefits are, you know, you can't Overemphasize the benefits of breath work. And you are such an expert in the area. I, I just hope we have enough time to unravel. Uh, you know the key points, so that people, at the very least, can understand how important breathwork is, and you know, and seek out uh, people like yourself. So enough of my talking. Let's get to you. Um, obviously, you've had a past that has led you up to here. Um, I know that Wim Hof has been a, a. I don't know if he's a catalyst for you, um, but can you explain how you have got to this stage of your your path?
3: Yeah, Wim Wim has definitely been a catalyst for a lot of what I've been doing over the past six or seven years. Um, really was just at a place in my life where I had a lot going on: two young kids, a couple startup businesses, and was really just finding myself needing something, something to connect to. You know, surfing has kind of always been my my main release and connection to nature, and just passion outside of, you know, family and other things. But as the responsibilities and life, you know, things started increasing the surfing time decreased. So really it was just looking for something. I heard Wim on a podcast and I was like, this guy's got some serious mojo that I want to know how he's, he's getting, getting going like that. And really, um, you know, it just took one breathing session for me that, made me feel a way that I've never really accessed on my own and it was that was kind of the beginning of the end for me like I just dove in headfirst and really was focused on the Wim Hof method for you know about a year and year and a half and then Got exposed through my journey to other breathing practices and, and techniques and, and methods of breathing from rebirthing to transformational breath work and a, a number of others and not and really sparked my curiosity to look outside of just the Wim Hof method and and see if I could experience as many of the different techniques as, as possible and and uncover what they would do for me. And from there really began to look at okay, what are all the similarities between all of these techniques and and how do we understand what the fundamental building blocks or principles of each of those are and then how do, how can I use those to be able to work with anyone? Because I think that's something that's missed is, you know, if you're really just focused on one method, one technique, there's so many other ways of using the breath that are not being focused on by just following one way. So I wanted to be able to work with as many people as I can and really kind of following this idea of like minimum effective dose where, you know, things like Wim Hof method breathing, we see like people want to have this big experience and and sort of blast off if you will. And really what i'm seeing and and learning more and more about is just how our nervous systems are not really ready for that Uh, especially in today's day and age where you know we've been going through a lot of changes and uncertainty and just constant bombardment of stimulus not everyone needs a a big dose of breathing i kind of look at more like I said, minimum effective dose and, and how do we sort of maintain ourselves or create a little bit more capacity over time? And, and then before we know it, we've got all this space to be able to maneuver within that we didn't have before. And something like a 15 minute breathing practice can, through consistency, can, can help to build that. And so.
1: Well, therein lies the the connection to all. You know, uh, the Wim Hof. uh, You know, a lot of us can't even fathom jumping into ice buckets and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of us really aren't on a path to make huge changes, just to sort of deal with what we're dealing with now. Maybe that's all that can be handled right now. And so what you're doing is outstanding um, to help people. I don't even know if it's coping, but to help people meet their daily lives as best as possible. Now, are are your techniques based in science? Are you, you know, you mentioned the nervous system. Are you tapping into research? How did you formulate your techniques?
3: yeah really uh, a lot of what we're doing is is through understanding the science of breathing. We look at the biochemistry, um, our nervous system, as I said, um, biomechanics, which are a huge part and and really like I said, understanding like what are what are the principles what are the what are if we understand what's going on physiologically in our body. And then we understand what's going on through our behavior as it shows up in our nervous system. And then if we understand mechanically how our breath movement is working and where there's potentially restriction or inability to access certain areas, then we have a lot of different building blocks to work with. And so I don't, wouldn't really consider myself having my own method or technique. I call it more of a multidisciplinary approach where we're, we're just using the principles of, of the breath and then applying those based on what people are trying to accomplish. You know, maybe someone has a, more of a performance based goal. Okay. Well, we need to look at these things in order to help impact performance. Maybe it's stress relief, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's pain. So, there's all these different sort of breath cocktails you could make in order to help someone go in that direction. And, and a lot of it really is based on our nervous system. You know, we all have nervous systems, but they're all different. And so something that impacts me in a certain way, it could potentially be an entirely different experience for you. So that's also part of what we look at uncovering is and, and and sharing with people is, to be able to understand their nervous systems, and and that's where we become empowered as individuals outside of having a breath coach or someone teach you. We understand our nervous system and how the breath is connected to that, and then we can steer the ship. We can be the captain here. So that's that would it doesn't be my, necessarily
1: my have coach. to be a mindset shift. It can literally be a health shift, an add-on to achieve you know, things that you might be working towards people, you know, I think with, when, you know, we hear breath work and we hear a kind of an aesthetic about it, it's like, I want to shift my mind. I need to, but it doesn't have to be, this can be an add on to your health piece.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think there is sort of a mindset piece that that plays a part of it because
1: Mm
3: -hmm. we're moving energy and there's a lot of, Mm potential uh sensations and things that we're not used to that obviously we need sort of this mindset to be able to sit there and be with it and i actually like to reframe a lot of that and make it as part of my mindset around it when i feel like the pulsation or the tingly or you know whatever is coming up it's like wow that's my energy and my power that i'm stoking you know, Mm -hmm. it's not something I need to be afraid of. I'm, I'm the one driving it. Like I'm doing the breathing and moving the breath and, and creating that in my body. So, you know, there can be a mindset piece to it, but generally speaking, no, it, yeah, it's an add on, like we're breathing all the time and it's something we're never taught about (laughs) yet. It's essential for life. I mean, we take 600 million to a billion breaths in our life and, Think about how many of those are under mm-hmm. a lot, most of them, you know? And, and so when, when you start to get conscious about it and practice like anything, it's like working a muscle, the more we practice and, and move the breath with our mind connected to it, then it becomes ingrained. Not only we can build mechanics that we don't have to think about eventually, But we also just generate more awareness to it. And you're moving through your day. All of a sudden you notice, oh, wow, I'm breathing really fast in my chest. Boom, that creates the opportunity, right? You have now the ability to pause where you're at and take yourself in another direction by layering in a certain way of breathing. So I think it's, it's just one of those things that, is going to continue to accelerate in my perspective because it's high impact, it's low effort, everyone can do it. You can do it seated at your desk, in your car, lying lying in your bed. It there's there's it's always here. It's always happening and and by simply connecting into it and using it in a way that we are under control and put putting ourselves in a state where we're trying to go. That's really I think what, with the potency of it, you know, we can, we can self-direct, we can self-regulate and that's kind of,
1: sorry, that kind of begs the question then Um, I I was told that if you watch a baby breathe, that's breathing in its essence. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's something that I was told. So somewhere in the law, along the lines, we've stopped breathing properly. Um, So this is kind of a a multi-leveled, idea that's popping into my head. I'm just trying to spit it out. So somewhere along the lines, we've stopped breathing properly. How does breathing improperly or how does breathing properly, however you want to approach it, benefit us health-wise or how does not breathing properly take a toll on our health?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. And I have two young kids and was fascinated watching them breathe. And especially at sleeping at night or just i like watching people breathe in general Mm -hmm. now you know i go somewhere and i'm just kind of like watching and through life experiences and stress and trauma and even mirroring we adopt away from breathing efficiently and you know quote properly and we're seeing a lot of downstream effects of that added stress you know where a, a lot of people simply even just between breathing through your nose and breathing through your mouth. We most people now are breathing through their mouth and we're sort of over-breathing meaning we're chronically hyperventilating and that's having a lot of impact on our nervous system, on our physiology. Um, We are not using oxygen efficiently because of that a lot of people don't understand the connection between carbon dioxide and oxygen and actually for oxygen to be released into our, into our blood, into our cells, we need carbon dioxide present, but if we're chronically hyperventilating and over breathing, there's not enough carbon dioxide present. So we're just not, we're wasting the oxygen more or less. Um, Also looking at, modern life and our posture we're seated a lot we're hunched over we're looking at phones so there's a lot of restriction in our breathing mechanics which is impacting a lot of different things you know our diaphragm can't move as freely we're stuck in breathing into our chest which is stimulating more of a sympathetic drive um you know there there's just so many so many aspects to it and and generally speaking that is the starting point at which I look when I work with people um, particularly one-on-one because if we can simply restore breathing function breathing mechanics that can actually have a, a high impact in of itself without even having to do anything and then from there you can layer in different protocols to be able to move into a different direction and self-regulate and, and all of those things. So, um, yeah, I think also one of the things I, I always am curious about is we're, we're moving so fast through life and we have all this information and the stimulus and devices and whatever. And so we're staying in this sympathetic state, this fight or flight state more than we actually should. And, and we're not actually able to really come into a parasympathetic state to really, rest and digest. And I think one of the things I'm curious about, and, and I don't know hundred percent if this is true, but this is just something I, I like to play with is considering eating food. And we have a lot of fast food and food on the go, and we're not actually... A lot of times, present with what we're eating, we're not really, we don't ever really prepare ourselves to eat a meal and then to digest it, you know. And so we're eating, and we're in this sympathetic state. Maybe we're even still looking at our phone, or we're doing something, and then we eat, and then all of a sudden we have all this gastrointestinal, stomach aller- allergies to food, um, all these things happening and what hap- what would happen if we just paused for a moment before we ate did some breathing that we know is going to move us into more of a parasympathetic state and then we ate our meal How wh- what would the impact of that be and and i play with this often and and i notice my digestion and and things are are actually improved
1: uh, that's so, a, I, I you're singing to the choir or preaching whatever yeah. that's the, because um i mentioned that all the time when I'm talking to clients. There was an amazing study out about people watching TV while they ate and how Mm. much in the sympathetic nervous system that you're in. And what you're talking about makes so much sense. If you're in the sympathetic nervous system, you're going to have, your adrenals are going to be engaged. You're not going to be able to digest. It just makes a lot of sense. But what are we doing fundamentally wrong when we breathe?
3: Um, well, again, I think the, the nose versus mouth, um, thing is, is, is real. Our nose is primary function is for breathing and we've got filtration and we've got nitric oxide and we've got a mucous membrane. We've got the ability to condition the air. So it's more optimal going into our lungs. Um, it's also going to impact the location of our breath. So smaller orifice more pressure moves the breath breath down into our belly which is further engaging our diaphragm so i think fundamentally that is a big part that people are missing out on um and then also understanding that our 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 breath is actually this three dimensional thing this 360 degree phenomenon that's happening so A lot of times, you know, you hear like, oh, breathe into your belly or breathe into your chest Mm -hmm. where most people are focused on just the movement towards the front. But our lungs are there's actually a lot of our lung in our back. And so if we can imagine we have like an inner tube around us and we breathe into that 360 degrees fully in all directions, that's going to be more of a, a sound and stable breath we're inflating into all parts of the breath or all parts of the body, excuse me. So,
1: so not the stomach.
3: Yeah. I mean, not just your, your belly is not just moving forward, but your side body is expanding. Your back is expanding, Mm. you know, even the back of the ribs, the ribs actually sort of lift out to the side like this, like a bucket handle. Um, our sternum lifts forward like this. So, there's just like a lot of restriction in our breath and, and people are, you, you hear all the time, like, Oh, diaphragmatic breathing or belly breathing. Well, yeah. our diaphragm is always engaged with our breath. Like if our diaphragm, if we're not, if we're breathing, our diaphragm is moving, but I, I understand what people are saying in that of like, yes, focusing on really moving the breath low, getting the diaphragm fully engaged um, and belly breathing. A lot of times people just pop their belly out. That's Mm -hmm. not, we're not, we're, we're trying to create inner abdominal pressure here. So we're, we're engaging the breath all the way around. We're expanding. Um, we're really inflating our lungs down in the butt in the bottom of our lungs. You think about being a high stress situation or just living how we live. A lot of our breath is up in our chest and the upper parts of our lungs. And we're not actually getting a full breath. A lot of the um, alveoli, which are where the gas exchange happens in our lungs, are in the lower part of our lungs. So we're just missing a lot of simple optimizations, which are going to have an impact on on our overall health and well being. So, so
1: have we lost that, or is it something we need to learn to do? That's my biggest issue here.
3: Yeah, I think I think it's we've we've lost it again, like you said, watching kids breathe, they're, they're breathing, you know, much more optimally than us. And then because we're doing something 600 million to a billion times, and most of those times unconsciously, we let the external stimulus take over. And then we start breathing in a certain way and retrain ourselves and and create patterns that are not aligned to how we're supposed to breathe. So I believe that, yeah, we've, we've adapted away from breathing a certain way, but we can also always train ourselves to go back. And, and so that, like I said, that's, that's a starting point for me. If I work with someone or a group, I'll always start with mechanics because um, we don't want to start moving the breath and practice breathing. If we're not, aligning to mechanics first, because then we're just retraining the pattern. Uh Um, and it's interesting, you know, you, you see, I've watched a lot of people breathe and there's so many different areas that certain people are restricted in depending on what's happened in their life. And, you know, by opening that up for someone, a lot of times I hear like, Oh my gosh, I I feel like I can finally breathe again, Uh you know? So Um, we're holding, we're bracing, we're, I mean, even just culturally thinking like they got to have the six pack abs and, you know, have this sort of physique in a certain way. And and we're holding and bracing our bodies, which is then restricting our breath. So it's like, we got to free it up, like let go. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, It's a a fascinating thing when you really start something that's so simple and so automatic um, and the impact that, of course, we know breath is is essential for life. But just hearing you talk, uh, there's so many things that I think most of us can do to improve our breath. We're going to take a quick break here, and everybody will be back in just a few minutes.
4: Word of life, speak to my weary heart, strengthen my broken parts. Lead me to your open arms, word of truth, illuminate all these lies.
1: Welcome back. We are talking about our breath work. We are talking with Reese Peluso and I want to continue on this. This is a fascinating topic for me. Um, Reese, we talked about, well, not we, you talked about carbon <laughs> dioxide. And um, you know, I wanted to go back a little bit on that because I'd like you to drive home here. You know, We often talk about carbon dioxide as simply a waste product, but um Just once again, state how breath work, you know, detoxification, carbon dioxide, proper breath work is just so essential for bringing all these things together.
3: Yeah, um, I think it like you said, it's it's super important. And actually, we we don't consider carbon dioxide a waste product. It's a byproduct of cellular respiration. So um, nothing is is to waste. We actually need carbon dioxide, as I said, in our body. In order for oxygen to be able to be released into our cells so we breathe in oxygen moves into our lungs into the alveoli these sacs at the end of the bronchi and this is where like gas exchange or diffusion happens so the hemoglobin on our red blood uh, on our red blood cells we have carbon dioxide which is byproduct of this process attached we also have oxygen and for every four molecules of oxygen there's one carbon dioxide so in order for the oxygen those four molecules to be released the carbon dioxide needs to be present so thinking about breath and modern life and how we're breathing we're breathing a lot through our mouth as we talked about which is dumping more more air, more carbon dioxide. We also are over breathing, meaning we're breathing more than we actually should. So looking at breath rate, 10 to 15 breaths a minute. I mean, if you're on the 10, you're like, you're doing something right. Um, but looking at the population A lot of people are breathing 20, 30 times per minute. What does that mean? That means we're chronically hyperventilating. We're chronically dumping carbon dioxide. So in order for us to get that oxygen into our cells, which is then converted into energy, we need that CO2. But if we're breathing too much, that CO2 is not there, meaning oxygen's just moving around, not being used. So Also, we have this ability to build tolerance to carbon dioxide. So what people don't also quite understand a lot of times is that they think uh, a lack of oxygen is what triggers the stimulus to breathe. It's actually the opposite. It's a buildup of CO2 that signals to our brain that says, I need a breath. So... We look at carbon dioxide as sort of this stress molecule. It's a stressor that is signaling different things to our brain and our body. And so as CO2 rises, it says, okay, I need to breathe. And because we're chronically hyperventilating over breathing, we actually have a very low tolerance to carbon dioxide. So those alarm bells go off really quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, you hold your breath, boom, alarm bells going off. But we actually have an ability to build tolerance to CO2. So through certain practices, slowing your breath down, um, holding your breath and doing other physical activity connected to breathing and holding breath, we can actually start to build up that tolerance to CO2 so that then we can be more efficient with oxygen. So they it all works together like nature is nothing is out of place um and so just through life and things we've adopted away from being more efficient but we can pretty quickly adopt back um
1: i that body is a beautiful thing and able to heal (laughs) yeah um how many of you are there yeah it's all there we just have and to that's
3: and that's what's so exciting about breathing and what i love is like yes it's a practice it can feel super cosmic and it can be the spiritual experience but then it's got science that's really showing you exactly what's going on and for me i love that because it drew this brain body connection right i could see charts maps uh images of what's happening in my body and then boom I can like start to feel it in a new way okay that tingling means this is happening you know or whatever you're the experience is just enhanced and there's not really any sort of second guessing it's not just this woo-woo thing that's happening it's 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 deeply rooted in in our biology and mm-hmm. and it's something that we can actually understand a lot more than other things that we're doing you know outside of Breathing, a lot of modalities are, are, we don't have the ability to get in there like we do with breath work or breathing, so...
1: And how many people right now are really focusing on their breathing? I've been doing it now for the last 25 minutes, trying to figure out where my lungs are going and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, this must be fantastic for athletes to dip into this and to really yeah. get uh, a hold of their breath work. And you talked about holding your breath. So I want to talk about holding your breath. I want to talk about the diaphragm um, and does does holding your breath, other than giving you the um, CO2 tolerance, does it do anything for the musculature, for the diaphragm? Um, is it a worthwhile pursuit? And, you know, how long?
3: Yeah, there's there's a lot of um, different reasons why we hold our breath. Um, as I said, it can help to build some tolerance to carbon dioxide. Um, it's sort of ability to to handle a stressor you know it's like our mind likes to play tricks on us it it'll come online first and be like hmm you've been holding your breath for like a minute now you probably need to take a breath but if you can actually work with that and say no our your body will give you the signal you will know when you need to take that breath um you know there's there's a lot of interesting um research being done by um a man named Gordon Mitchell out of the university of Florida. He's working with, uh, spinal cord injury patients and working with hypoxic, uh, air. So meaning low oxygen. And he's finding some incredible things that are happening with, um, with motor skills and motor function. So someone who has a spinal cord injury, maybe they can't, they don't have use of their arms or their legs in certain ways. And they're actually finding that by using hypoxic gas mixtures that they can improve motor coordination, motor function. Um, and so we can also create a hypoxic state in our body by holding our breath. So what end
1: though, like what does that accomplish?
3: Um, so basically, uh, we're we're getting our body into a place of low oxygen which is going to stimulate more red blood cell production so thinking about like someone climbing a mountain going to everest right they um they need to acclimatize and Mm -hmm. as they get higher and higher the oxygen levels get lower and lower and so they acclimatize because they need to produce more red blood cells to be able to carry the little oxygen that's available so through doing breath holds, breath retentions, and also working with, you know, a hypoxic gas mixture, which is hard to, to produce without a machine. But, um, you know, just in, in that of itself, like building more red blood cells in your body. Um, so that can have an impact on performance, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're producing EPO, um, which is what Lance Armstrong was doing,
1: (laughs) Yeah. Now do you have to hold your breath? Okay. Is it a breathe out and hold? Does it matter how you hold your breath?
3: um, Well, typically when, when we're doing uh, more of a hypoxic, getting into a hypoxic state, yeah, it's on like a breath retention. So it's like deep breath in and then hold your breath on the exhale, wherever the breath lands, not squeezing everything out, but just that neutral place and then holding, um, you know, CO2 levels start to rise. Oxygen gets used. We go into a hypoxic state, low oxygen. We also are starting to build that carbon dioxide level. And then it gets to a point where boom stimulus to breathe. Then you take a breath. Oxygen comes back up. CO2, you know, stabilizes. So generally speaking, when I'm leading something like that or doing something like that, it's, yeah, it's holding my breath on a, on a retention, on an exhale hold. Um, you can accomplish a similar thing on, on an inhale. Um, I just find to hold my breath on an exhale is a very peaceful and nice place to be. Um, what,
1: what time are you targeting or should that be even a, an issue that
3: that that's not, I can't say like a time, you know, that's going to okay. change over time. Um, it's going to change dependent on a lot of factors, recovery, your mental state, you know, some days I can hold my breath for quite a while. And other days I'm just like in my head and unable to hold. So, um, you know, you can actually get a pulse oximeter. So it's a little device you put on your finger and it will measure your blood saturation, blood oxygen saturation. So you can use that and kind of like try to get to certain levels. I mean, you can get it pretty low. Um, so yeah, there's, there's lots to play with in, in that regard.
1: Now, the diaphragm, um, we know it's involved in breathing. Uh, I'm not sure which medical field takes it on. Um, mm-hmm. What What is it and what does it do and can we tone it better or is there a need to?
3: Yeah, so the, the diaphragm is our primary breathing muscle. It's sort of this partition between our thoracic and abdominal cavities. Um, it's like this double parachute muscle and it's really I would say probably the most important skeletal muscle in our body Um, without it we wouldn't be breathing and so as we inhale our diaphragm contracts moving down which then allows air to come into our lungs creating this vacuum effect and then when we exhale our diaphragm actually relaxes so humans mammals are inspiratory breathers meaning Our inhale is active, again, diaphragm contracts, and our exhale is passive. We also have the ability to have an active exhale, meaning we can squeeze the breath out. We've got um, these expiratory pump muscles being our internal intercostals, um, our abdominal, some of our abdominal muscles. So that allows us to actually contract and exhale with an active force. Which is great for physical activity, right?
2: Mm-hmm. when
3: we're under high met- high metabolic demand, we need more ventilation, so we need to move the breath faster and it becomes active in both directions. but generally speaking, at rest, exhale is passive, diaphragm just relaxes, boom, pushes the air out so also thinking about the diaphragm and and its connection to our organs. So if we're, as the diaphragm's moving, it's massaging our vital organs, our, you know, our gut, um, really all the organs are are moving, um, with our breath. In addition to that, what I find interesting about the diaphragm is that it doesn't have the same, um, nerve receptors as our other muscles. So, you think about your arm and maybe you're, you know, doing bicep curls, right? Over time, you start to feel that burn in your, in your muscles. Well, our diaphragm doesn't actually have that same burn feeling. Um, so what I think is super important is to be able to strengthen our diaphragm, considering that it's connected to ventilation and connected to our ability to create energy through the breath well, then strengthening our diaphragm is super important. If we can't feel it going out, it's likely that it's actually becoming more tired because it's so active in ventilation, particularly under high metabolic stress, that that diaphragm is getting tired before you potentially feel it in some of your other muscles. So it's sort of like this interesting thing to, to think about is, okay, well, how do I strengthen my diaphragm, right? We can do you know, pulsations of our breath. We can do full inhales, full exhales. So we're really kind of stretching the diaphragm in both directions. We can do breath holds in different ways to strengthen it. Um, there's a lot of work that we like to do with like, um, fascial release, uh, even just using your fingers and sort of massaging these areas. We've got some balls that we like to use to kind of open up our primary breathing muscles and, get into these areas. And as I said, we're, we're holding our bodies in certain ways because we think it's the right way, or we've got stress or we, um, posturally, you know, seated at a desk, you're sort of hunched over looking at your phone, you're hunched over our diaphragm can't move as freely. Um, so thinking about our, our body as like this cylinder and our diaphragm If we have good posture, our diaphragm can move freely up and down the cylinder, but if we're bent over, then there's sort of this curvature. It doesn't move as fluidly, um, which is going to restrict breathing. So I think it's important also to consider that our posture is constantly changing and we can't always like be seated vertically and be in this perfect postural position. So, Also doing practice and in other positions to be able to still work with the diaphragm, um, you know, you, you you see like people doing breath practice or even like meditation and they're in this like perfect Lotus position. It's like, yeah, but most people, when you, when you actually sitting like that, or, or is your body position like that when you're moving through life? Not, not very often. Like I can't sit in that position for very long. <laughs> um, so it's like, we, we need to look at how do we work with what's going on here? And so I think a lot of what we're doing with mechanics is, is looking at the diaphragm. How can we get people to engage it, um, strengthen it, connect to it. And, and that is an important part, you know,
2: like really I said, is we,
1: again another aspect that's not discussed too much. If you were going to leave us with some great tips, maybe how to start off um, you know, just getting on the right path of breathing. Do you have any of those or is it just too simplified to say?
3: Well, I think just starting to notice your breath is the key. So when you're in a stressful situation or Maybe even you're sitting at your computer, writing emails. Just pay attention to how you're breathing. Um, awareness is is the gateway into being able to change. If we're not aware, then we don't know what to change. So, just simply noticing that. Um, there's a lot of great re- resources to learn about breathing. Um, I know you've had James Nestor on your pod mm-hmm. uh, on your show. And his book was such a gift to the breath world and just his, he brings in all the parts, like the science, the spirituality, the anthropological look at it, like, and ties it all together. And he has Mm -hmm. his own personal, you know, (laughs) experiment that he does on himself. And, and so, yeah, just get curious. Like that's, that's what's led me to where I am is just the curiosity. I think, breathing is the ultimate rabbit hole. It's never ending. Every breath is different. Every breath is fleeting. Our body and physiology and nervous systems are constantly changing. So there's always something to explore and and really looking at our brain and what we know, we have a very limited knowledge of our brain and and of our breath. And so I think we're going to just start seeing more and more come through, through research and, and science that's happening So it's really an exciting time to, to get that curiosity going. Um, and for those looking to start breathing and doing a daily practice or, or even just getting educated, um, that's, that's what I do. I've actually got an online platform called our breath collective, and we lead daily live guided breathing sessions every day. We've got a bunch of different teachers with different perspectives. Um, so, People can come and breathe with us. They're all about 15 minutes long. We say it's like you know flossing your teeth for the day. Um, and then we've got a variety of other programs that we do, from workshops to deep dive courses, retreats, teacher training. We, we're really just focused on making this work and these practices accessible to the world, and and trying to help as many people as we can. And and it's an awesome community of people that we um we continue to grow and and have this incredible uh impact on people mm-hmm. and and it's such a simple yet complex thing that's happening and
1: well it's the ultimate connection to our body right yeah. and something that uh you know, you're bringing awareness to, And I think it's just absolutely vital. And your website is ourbreathcollective.com. Uh, everybody, when the podcast comes out, it's air at the radio show first, but as the podcast comes out, you'll definitely have all the links to that. I want to thank you so much, race for joining us. It's a fascinating, fascinating topic and one that I'm certainly will follow, be following up with you. So thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Thank you. I appreciate it. And wonderful to be a guest and, and really just love, talking and sharing about this. So it's an honor.
1: Yeah, we can your passion certainly shines through. So thank you very much. And everybody will talk to you next week on the health hub.